0: interested in the holiness message for the 21st century wondering what the future of christian education is including theological education and are you also interested in a cutting-edge conversation on the use of ai well i'm brian russell and i'm the host of the deep dive spirituality conversations podcast and today speaking with my guest dr ken schenk i'm going to get into all of those topics and more in a real fun conversation for me i first met ken in 1992 when i was a student at asbury theological seminary ken was somebody i looked up to he was a teaching fellow and i would go on to become a teaching fellow and both of us used that opportunity as a springboard to a career in graduate level theological education now ken is a new testament specialist best known for his work on hebrews he did a phd in new testament studies before becoming a professor at indiana wesleyan university he then went on to become founding dean uh, and he's held several deanships in his long career. And he also, uh, for a season, worked at a significant leadership role at Houghton University. Before now, taking his present position, working as the provost of a cutting edge uh, educational startup, Campus EDU, which has an audacious mission to provide excellent outstanding online education in a way that serves millions of people around the world now you're going to hear a little bit more about campus and campus exists really to bolster existing uh, schools with its cutting edge approach to learning. So you're gonna love this conversation. It was great for me to catch up with Ken. And before we jump into the interview, let me just remind you of a couple of things. All of the resources and links will be in the show notes. And I'd also be grateful if you would leave a review, click like, subscribe, Share this with friends to help get the word out on the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. If I can be of any service to you, I'd invite you to check out my website, brianrussellphd.com, or you can email me directly at brian at Now, let's get right to my conversation with Dr. Ken Schank, provost at Campus EDU. Welcome, Ken. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. Great to be here. And, uh, you know, as I, I already said it in the intro, which you haven't heard yet, but I always like to say you were my Hebrew teacher. That was fun. 19, <laughs> 1992. That's,
1: that's one of those where I may have been standing in front of the class, but, but you know, by the end of the class, Brian knew way more than I did about Hebrew. So so that was, you know, he was self-taught person.
0: Well, it was really fun though, is I've always admired you because you you were like the person that was ahead of me at what I wanted to do next, and you were the teaching fellow, and so I got to be a teaching fellow. I guess one or two years after you you moved along, and then you became a professor, and I've been able to become a professor, and we've stayed in touch, on and off now. Well, for I mean, since 1992, basically. Yeah, for sure. So for folks that don't know you, you've had a variety of uh, of jobs at professor, you've been academic administrator, now you're working for campus EDU, um, you've been a lifelong Wesleyan. Can you just share a little bit about uh, maybe some key points in your faith journey that's led you to this point now where you're the provost at campus EDU?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I started off as a um, chemistry major at uh, South, Southern Wesleyan University felt a call to ministry, um, finished up there and, uh, didn't feel mature enough to pastor. So I did what everybody else did. I went to Asbury seminary, um, the place to be right. And, um, so did my MDiv there, uh, was blessed to be a teaching fellow. That was, those were real high points of my life greatly in you know, great memories. Yes. Uh, then went on to do a doctorate in New Testament. Um, and uh, then did a year substitute teaching without a job, which, you know, the, everybody's glad to take your money to give you a degree, you know, but, uh, you know, then when you want to have a job, uh, but anyway, Indiana Western University, uh, I was very grateful that they uh, they hired me. I, I had a kind of a fleece, if, if you all know, I know Brian knows what that is, but um, basically, if I became teaching fellow, I would go on and get my doctorate. If I If I didn't become teaching fellow, I would take a church and and so um whether it was god or you know or i don't know that god micromanages every detail of our life but um i was very grateful to become a teaching fellow and then ended up teaching uh new testament and philosophy at uh indiana wesleyan then in the late in the late uh, like 2006 7 8 um indiana wesleyan decided to start a seminary um and i was uh asked to be the kind of the founding dean of wesley seminary and I kind of, uh, I think that's kind of where my, the catnip of innovation, I kind of got a little bit hooked on innovation there. Um, so we, we build a seminary, which was, you know, who gets to build a seminary? That was fun. Yeah. Um, and I was Dean there for six years. And then, um, you know, I felt like the children, you know, the children, meaning the faculty, you know, they, they, um, they were all grown up and it was time for, uh, 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 for the founding dean to um, go back to teaching and let let the the children run the show so i went back to the undergraduate school and then ended up dean again there uh, for three years Um, um, and uh, that that kind of leadership uh, role um, eventually led me to houghton university now um, where i was a a vice president for innovation uh, over their online program um, trying to find some new uh, new student populations. Um, did that for two years. Uh, and then I jumped uh, into Campus EDU where I'm uh, currently the provost, uh, which uh, it always seems to me a little funny for an ed tech company to have a provost. But basically I I do a lot of the um, engagement with colleges and universities um, uh, and the kind of the academic I's and dotting of I's and crossing of T's. But anyway, uh, we're designing online courses we've got a a thriving dual enrollment uh, program right now um leading to associate degree
0: so anyway that, is that enough <laughs> yeah that's really good I mean that that's what I've always enjoyed about you and then even you've had a how long have you had your blog that uh, you 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 post on consistently yeah. you've been doing that for years right
1: yeah I started the blog in 2004 uh, I'm not sure that I'm 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 not I'm not an eat the mushroom ad- early adopter but I'm usually um before before most people know the that that sort of thing exists i'm you know i'm 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 at least trying it out like chat um i w- was all over that early early this year you know trying to figure out what this thing can do um for artificial intelligence but um youtube i i have over what is it man i don't remember but anyway i've got over over 10,000 followers which is nothing for youtube but i'm i'm proud to have that many but so I uh, I tend to try out these things as you do you're you're an entrepreneur of a uh, kindred kindred spirit I would say
0: so where do you think for you uh um where did that sense of wanting to, of being a, a dabbler. And I'm saying that in the best sense of the word, because you've sure. done legit stuff, but you've experimented with some things. You've not just been an academic, you've done leadership. Now you're, you know, you're really with a, a startup tech company that's trying to literally save Christian education at some level, right? And make sure it has a future. So like, where does, sure. where does that entrepreneurial spirit come from for you? And how have you been able to leverage that?
1: Yeah. I'm trying to remember the book. You, I know you're going to ask me books that uh, this wasn't one of them, um, but I was reading what was that book Um, that, that kind of, if you look at the general population, um, I forget which book it is, but um, like I'm going to make up a number. 70% of the population tends to be protective of, of the status quo. And that makes sense, right? Because, um, you know, if you're constantly eating wild mushrooms, you know you're going. You know, a lot of people are going to die. And so, uh, and uh, you know, we can we can put a theological layer and say God, God made it this way, and it works wonderful. But but and maybe He did. But seventy, like let's say seventy percent of the population tend to be, for lack of a better word, conservative. Let's 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 go slow. Let's let's go to the same restaurant. You know, eat the same thing off the menu, um, and then there's another, I don't know, 20, 30% of the population that are always, they just like to try new things. And again, I'm, I'm kind of making this up, but I liked, I liked this scenario. It resonated with me. And I think that's just who I am. I'm a person who's always, uh, kind of looking for, you know, the future. I'm not a pessimist about the future. Oh, it's going to all burn. It's we're doomed. We're doomed. That's just not my, my personality. And, and, uh, uh, nothing wrong with that other personality because sometimes they're right, you know, <laughs> um, uh, but um, I think God has wired me to be a person who's one of the ones who's trying new things, you know, because someday the old things aren't going to work anymore. So I don't know if that's a good answer, but.
0: Yeah, and let's, I was curious if you have root, root, root that in your um your Wesleyan theology, and even being part of the Wesleyan Church, which again, it's not one of these gigantic mainstream denominations, so it's had to do a lot of bootstrapping. There's church planting. I mean, there's it's a great denomination, but it's um, you have to be entrepreneurial. Is that? So like, does that come out of just your faith tradition, and does Wesleyan theology in some way help you to be a little bit more optimistic about the future? Just love to hear what you how you inter, inter, integrate uh, your faith with that entrepreneurial spirit.
1: Yeah, I would I would definitely say that. And this again, you're getting my my opinion that that the best of the Wesleyan tradition is wired that way. Yeah, um, the you know going back to the Wesleyan Methodists in the 1840s, you know, who basically um, didn't want to sit around and wait for the church to figure out that slavery shouldn't happen, you know, and so they they said let's let's go ahead and start a movement. Let's get out. Let's get out of these kind of status quo congregations and let's, let's do something. Let's help, let's help with the Underground Railroad. Um, and even, um, even, so that was one side of the Wesleyan heritage. The other side, was another, another group, parent group, were very entrepreneurial. They were constantly starting Bible colleges. Now those colleges didn't always survive, you know, but, but they, they were trying, trying things. They were planting churches, you know, in their front living room. Um, they were, you know, in Cincinnati, um, I, there's a story about, um, um, the, the pilgrims was the name of the group. Um, they were forbidden to, I forget they're for, forbidden to, to announce something about what they were doing. So they, they basically put it on umbrellas and, you know, walked around with the message on the um, umbrella. Anyway, that's not, you know, highly innovative today, maybe, but I, I do feel like it is, Somewhat in the optim, the optimism is a is part of the DNA of of the best of the movement. Now, don't get me wrong; there are plenty of of uh for lack of a better word, curmudgeons in the Wesleyan Church. <laughs> you know why we've never done it that way. Uh, there's, I think it's probably indigenous to all all. And it's churches. universal. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, the optimism of grace. You know that you don't have to lose to temptation. Oh, well, I'm gonna face another temptation. I'm sure I'll lose. You know, but a kind of an optimism. That uh, the power of the Holy Spirit can actually, you can actually do the good, you know, that you want to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's the best of the Wesleyan, uh, the Wesleyan theology and the Wesleyan tradition.
0: Let me let me just ask one more Wesleyan question. This isn't completely related to where we're going to go with this, but I'm just curious, um, as a a person who's been lifelong Wesleyan, you've gone to Asbury, you've taught at uh, some of the well, two of the best of the the Wesleyan churches institutions like what's your sense of the message of entire sanctification in the 21st century is that still something that uh, we can proclaim uh what's your sense of how that sounds like in our modern culture just just curious uh because uh, i myself i mean i've i try to get a lot of wesleyan scholars on here and i've you know i see my ministry basically as um doing of of cultivating the love of god and neighbor which to me is that's what wesley says is entire sanctification and open ourselves up to that and so i'm committed that's what still gets me excited is that i'm just curious um how do you sense that plays in maybe the future of the church
1: yeah well i actually uh was on a uh, you would know this a district board of ministerial uh, development i was um uh, with a group in here in indiana uh, Friday, actually, we were interviewing, you know, ministerial candidates. And and that, you know, we asked that question. And um, there wasn't a sense of, uh, we don't believe this anymore. But let's go ahead and dot the I, you know, what do you what do you think about this entire? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that feel at all. Um, and none of the candidates actually responded in any kind of a, a vein like that. Um, but uh, I, I felt like we, there was a an optimism about the idea that and this makes perfect sense you know to me that at some point in your spiritual walk you're going to come to a point where am i going to give everything to god or am i not going to give everything to god and if you choose not to get everything to god probably your spiritual life is just going to disintegrate and eventually you'll 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 fall away from the faith because you've said no to god and so the idea that that you would get to a point in your spiritual walk where you just, you is, is you're all on the altar of sacrifice laid, you know, you give, you give everything to the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit, uh, it's not just a matter of us. The Holy Spirit takes the sacrifice. The The Holy Spirit plugs you in, um, and, and you just moved a whole new level in your, your, your walk with the Lord, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you know, a non Wesleyan once, once said, um, and then there'll be new things. There'll be new. There'll be new new areas that emerge. New challenges. New you know m- maybe some of the old um, temptations will. If especially if you don't keep plugged in, you know you're, you're, the juices are running low. Um, you know so it, you have to plug back in. And um, I I personally like that uh, the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit again. In I think it's Acts four. You know so. Um, yeah, I think this is, uh, and uh, we we kind of, in my childhood, it felt like we got obsessed with the method, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. the formula, you know, you know, you pull this chain, you, you know, turn the dial twice, you know, you genuflect five times and bam, you know, um, and I think, I think for me as a young person, the the method or the process kind of took over and I didn't really have a clear sense of what we were really talking about in terms of, of, of a fullness of love toward others and um, and that idea of full surrender. Um, but I think I think um, this idea of giving everything to the Lord and and letting Him work work through you to the fullest. You know, I I don't see how that's old myself, but yeah. love to hear your thoughts on that sometime.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, uh, that could be another a conversation. Uh, just curious, do you have a favorite, um, you know, metaphor? I mean, we might have heard a lot of the same stuff. Ken Law Oswald had all that, all those good metaphors, and I've talked to Oswald on this podcast. So, I mean, do you have a favorite metaphor? If you're going to say, me mentioned giving it all on the altar. That's that's kind of that some of that old school language. But do, yeah. do you have like a preferred metaphor if you're of what it looks like to actually surrender?
1: Well, the one the one that I used uh, on Friday. Um, was the old um the house metaphor um you know yeah. so so you, you're in the house but maybe there's some rooms you don't really want the Lord to go into. Well, don't go into that one you know um and you know, there might be a, um, a a period of okay, okay you can go in the attic but not the basement you know or, but not this closet, um, but that you get to a point where not only have you allowed the Lord to be in every room of the house but you 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 sign the title, to the property um, over to the Lord and say, "This is this is yours. It's your house. Do whatever you want with it. Do whatever you want in whatever room." Um, so that's that's the metaphor probably that I've
0: resonated the most with over the years. Well, thank you, thank you very, Ken. And I'm going to do a hard turn a little bit here. So, God, I wanted to speak with you uh, about several things. And you know, right now with your job with Campus EDU, you're getting a chance to meet with a lot of leaders. You've been involved in. Christian higher education and theological education now for 30 years roughly. Um what's your sense of where things are? What excites you? What do you sense some of the headwinds are right now?
1: Well, um so what I love about campus and this is this is what I loved about founding Wesley Seminary. Um when we founded Wesley Seminary Joel Green who you'll know um who used used to be uh I think Academic dean at Asbury, I don't forget what his title was. He might have been provost, but anyway, he um he's he was a little jealous, you know, that we could start a seminary from scratch, you know, without all the turf, existing turf war. No, you can't touch that. And uh, that's what I love about campus is that in a sense, uh, we're trying to design um in in our case primarily online education. Although we have talked to schools, we're not against, and I, I want to make it very clear. We are completely on board with residential education. We're not yes. and in fact, in fact, we're um we're 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 in a new initiative uh where we're trying to fill seats and in, in empty seats in a dorm, kind of like priceline where you sell these empty, empty rooms to us and you know, we'll have a hybrid kind of of a learning uh situation. So what I love about campus is that we're we're not encumbered by um a lot of things. Um I was talking to a colleague of mine today about how um you know a lot of colleges just just couldn't survive without the room and board you know and so um most institutions are encumbered by the past um and and I don't know that they're quite sure how to how to downsize you know uh these kinds of uh entanglements with all kinds of things you know bureaucracy admin you know administrative bloat um you know and so uh the price the price point um the the price point of higher education right now is sim- it's just simply out too much yes uh, for for most people to handle and and the funny thing is is that it's a lot of it's a game um you know well, our sticker price is 45,000, which shows that we're valuable, but you're only going to have to pay 20. Um, and your parents will pay taxes on the scholarship (laughs) anyway, but, um, um, so, uh, I'm optimistic because, uh, it'll, I mean, there's an old uh, Latin expression, fate will find a way. Um, and I don't know that I'm, I'm going to call it fate, but, um, these things will—they just won't stand, in my opinion. There, there will be a breakthrough, um, whether it's campus or, or some other um, Houghton College uh, or university. Um, they just—they took a risk. You know, they, they we're still seeing whether it was a good move. And they said, "Well, let's just forget this game of we're charging. We're c- saying we're charging this, but we're really charging this. Let's just let's do a reset, and let's actually price." uh, tuition, uh, less than 20,000, because that's basically what it costs us. Um, those kinds of things, I really think they're gonna have to happen, uh, or you're just, you're just gonna have crash and burn, um, uh, for a lot of institutions. I don't know if that's answering your question. Um, but I think we're gonna have to be more affordable for sure. We're gonna have to be more accessible. Uh, again, I, I am not in. in I want to make this very clear. I am not against residential education. Not in, not in the slightest. I, if I had to do it all over again, I would go residential again. You know, so I'm not against residential. But I think, I think it's a mistake not to have uh, distance options of of varied varied kinds, um, and and those are go- they're just they're not going away in my opinion. So I don't know whether I've feel yeah. free to re- redirect if I didn't. Hit
0: yeah, Let's ask, yeah, because, I mean, this whole conversation, it, it isn't about, um, I mean, everybody, I mean, most people, if they could afford it, I think, would go, would do in residence, uh, move somewhere and have a chance to be at the library, live with your professors, have that experience. Now, the, the, the modern world with the technology opens up the possibility that you don't have to do that. And my sense of what campus is doing is i um, like... You know, you've been around, you've taught a lot of schools, I've taught online. My kids have gone to different universities. I've seen what their online things are. And for most places online, even to be kind, is a massive downgrade from the same class that you would have face-to-face. Um, you know. Instead of having the professor lecture, or some like just read this book and talk amongst yourselves, and then students go like, "Why am I paying for this class? I could have bought the book and read it by myself, and it would have saved me like three thousand bucks or something like that." So, what? How? What do you see as what a cutting edge future is for? Again, this isn't anti camp uh, on campus things, but what? What? What's the possibilities if a school would really go all in with technology to make virtual? education powerful like my i'm a contrarian and I've, i'm a dabbler and so i even i even say this at asbury um um it's like my contrarian bet is this you can do spiritual formation <laughs> and education better at a distance than you can in person. And so I'm willing to experiment to see if I could make that, if that could really be true, you know, and and that may be even beyond where you are, but that's kind of my bias just because I teach in those modalities. Now it's all hybrids, all online. So I'm like, okay, I need to make this an even better experience for my students than if they could literally come and have me for class three times a week. So I'm just curious, like, uh, what kind of future would that look like? What would it take to get a school to have that kind of a robust uh, presence so that they can extend the best of their in-person self to people that are never going to be able to live in person? So that's that's a long question, but that's, I'm just curious how you would respond to that.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely believe that you can do uh, spiritual formation at a distance, uh, especially, um, you know, for example... Um, the spiritual formation doesn't have to be with you as the, as the professor, even you you can have them, um, have a very, uh, intentional connection with somebody in their, in their context where they are meeting face-to-face, you know, with, with someone, uh, regularly. Um, I mean, in general, uh, there is an intentionality to online courses that I can tell you as a um, as a face-to-face teacher for for many 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 years, uh, my face-to-face classes often did not have anything close to the level of intentionality that that my online classes did, because the online class had to be planned in advance and yes, it had to be it had to be laid out and a lot of times the those who were guiding you through that process were were hyper uh, uh, sensitive to rubrics and. And and that sort of thing, maybe even too much. So, but um, uh, there were a lot of times where, uh, and I, I shouldn't say this, maybe you know, I knew the general topic; it's on the syllabus. You know, I do. I go in, press play, and and wing it, so so to speak, um, on a, in a face to face class. And I mean, I don't I don't think that used to be horrible. It might be now, but um, so I, I don't think I'm saying anything new. Uh, when I say that that um, online classes um, are often far more intentional in terms of the the learning outcomes than than face to face, but um, the the or, part of the origin story of Campus was that um, uh, my boss uh, Darren Campbell, who founded Campus, his two sons took a a uh, took online classes with with the kind of the the institution for Chris for. Christian High School online. I won't tell you the name of the of the place, but anyway, it's you know over a hundred thousand online students. So this is this is not some hack of an institution, and he thought it was horrible. I mean, he just thought the classes were horrible. Type, 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 type. You know, and so um he had this vision for something that's more engaging. And so if you look if you look at one of our uh courses, it's more like Netflix. You you know. It ha- they have trailers you know so you can note with music um I'm teaching philosophy right now with with uh, campus and uh I was a little little taken aback when the student said the thing I love best is the music that goes with the videos and I'm like well, what hilarious. about what about the content of the videos you know what about me um <laughs> and uh, but uh so music videos well produced very well produced um we did an art art course where they went to Italy for 10 days, <laughs> um, you know, so maybe we, maybe we can send you to Israel with a camera crew. It's
0: not right now, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might, we might wait, uh, you know, a year or two, but um, so um, the, um, the per- and I also say, you don't have to take a course to take a course. Um, so when you're, when you're on most of these learning platforms, you know, you have to take an orientation course so you can figure out where, where, all the, where is all this stuff? You know, this is this is more like Apple. Or at least we intend it to be. You know, point click, you're in. Um, so we're obviously in the early early stages. Um, I think assignments will need to be more and more interactive. And so we we try to. I I was just seeing a prototype for a new assignment that that basically uh, you as you as you enter different numbers, the chart you know manipulates. You know, so. Um, I think there needs to be more and more interactivity, um, variety of assignment, um, you know, hitting all the learning outcomes or learning styles. I mean, so um, uh, there 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 are possibilities that are beyond our things we used to imagine. So we used to think, well, you could never do a lab science online. Well, Arizona State's doing it. Portage Geneva in Pennsylvania is doing it. Um, they either mail you the lab materials, or they have virtual virtual labs where you can dissect something, you know, on your screen. <laughs> um, I'm not 100% sold on that, but but just the the possibilities. Some of, some of it's a failure of imagination. Yeah, that's good. There's yeah. just so much so much more that could be done um, than than uh, we probably have imagined yet. And well, AI is making it, you know, even crazier.
0: And I want I want to shift to AI for a few minutes because we're going, be, we're going to run out of time. But just curious, um, on that last piece, you mentioned the importance of imagination. What what has helped you? I mean, it's not just you. There's other. You have a. But what helps you to stay imaginative? Because in, now let's just talk. You speak to pastors and educators that are probably listening to this. So like. What would you recommend if they're like, okay, I need to be more imaginative. I need to try some different things. Like, what, where, where would you send them to to experience that? Maybe they need to check out the campus website. But like, what, 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 what would be some tips to or resources that would could potentially help them to leverage their imagination in a new way?
1: Yeah, boy, that's a good question. I mean, again, I consider myself a. Uh, second tier i'm not i'm not a mushroom eater but i -hmm. but i'm 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 early to the early doctor right yeah and um and a lot of that's just because i i hang around the people who are i mean some of the people i work with they're like have you seen this and and i feel no i haven't where how do you how do you come up with this so even if you're not the kind of person that um uh naturally finds these things hang out with with the people that do i uh, you'll know. You'll know the name of Bill Patrick, um, who was a teaching fellow at Asbury and taught there at the Asbury Orlando campus for a long time. He always knew every new book that came out. I don't know how he did it. You know, I'm like, where, how did you know that? You know, so you you don't have to be the person that comes comes up with everything. You just have to know the people that know these things. And um, so, like, take artificial intelligence there are a number of twitter feeds that i i'm just subscribed to it you know and so uh, every every week you know there's a whole new list of it's overwhelming frankly uh here's all the new ai tools that have come out you know this week um here's here's all the new stuff you can do and there'll be some sifting some of it'll last and some of it won't um things will emerge as the as the better but um uh you don't you don't have to be the the one that discovers it first. You just have to know the people that, that are, who know, who somehow they know these things. Um, And it could be as simple as following them on Twitter or, you know, being friends with them on Facebook and Instagram. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of, know the, know the people who somehow know these things, I guess would be my, my advice. They're out there and they they're, they're, they're broadcasting, you know, just tune into the station.
0: Yeah, so yeah, so in other words, like wh- whatever your expertise is, be curious enough to f- to listen to podcasts, um, Twitter feeds of things that are just literally on technology, so you can see what's going on there, and then ask, you know, what how might this fit into what I'm doing? So t- so talk about AI a little bit. I understand, and again, our, our mutual friend talked about that you said, um, that you even been able to do some writing with um, with AI. So. Like what? What should a pastor or even a professor know about AI and how? What? How can it enhance our work? Like, I'd want it to. Can it grade my papers for me, Ken? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, yeah. Uh, but so, so I think. Just kidding, current students, of course. But. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I mean, so let's let's go ahead and, and you know the elephant in the room. Integrity. Integrity. You need to have integrity about it. Don't don't lie. Don't don't don't. Um, uh, I was teaching a class last night, you know, and I, I said, now don't, don't use ChatGPT to write your papers. And I thought there'd be a ha ha ha, but there was just stone cold silence. Anyway, <laughs> like, Wait a minute. Are you all planning on using ChatGPT? But anyway, um, so I think there's, there's integrity uh, there. Um, and of course, um, just with, with, I've mentioned ChatGPT a few times, you need to be, be aware that sometimes it just makes stuff up. Um, it's amazing what it's doing. I mean, I don't know if you've if you've noticed now when you when you're typing something, the shadow words will appear. It's kind of like I don't know nine nine out of ten people who write these words write this word next, and that's kind of what these AI things are doing. They're not thinking; they're just kind of saying what probably a person would say next, and so sometimes they make stuff up. <laughs> um, you, you, I mean, if you use ChatGPT you have totally have to you totally have to double check um the things that it tells you especially if you if you were to ask it what's a good ted talk on this it's probably going to make up something that doesn't exist you know so so let the buyer beware um uh, in fact I, I heard a story about a lawyer that um uh, uh was presenting a uh, an argument and um as a, as a defense, put some, some cases from the past that turned out to not exist because they'd used artificial intelligence. So anyway, this it's, it's, it absolutely must, must be checked. I think of it as an accelerator, um, and a, a way around a mental block, maybe even, you know, maybe you're having trouble thinking of how do I, how do I start this? You know, how do I, what, you know, I I don't know where to go from here. Uh, it's, it, it stimulates, it's, it's kind of like, um, a steroid for your brain um it's not it's not going to replace you and and i've you know i've asked it biblical stuff um and again this may be a little hubris on my part but a lot of times i'll say man just don't talk let me write this you know because you, you you're not doing very well here um so um it's not it's not especially the deeper you go into a subject um you know, you as an Old Testament specialist, me, I think I'm an Old a New Testament specialist, you know, we just know more than it knows. Um, so it's not going to replace, but it, but it might take you to the next level. So if I'm a mediocre writer, it should, it it might just be able to make you a pretty good, pretty good writer. I I think, um, I actually, I had this idea. I thought I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book using chat GBT. Um, a pastor's brief guide to business, and so I spent probably two three weeks just feeding it questions. You know how? You know what? What are the topics you would cover in business if you were to write a book for pastors? You know on X, Y, Z. You know, okay, marketing. If you were to write a um, a chapter on marketing for pastors, what would you? You know what? What topics would you cover? Blah blah blah. Okay, write a thousand words on you know, how to do a market study, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I I I did that, I edited it, I self-published it, you know, and I put on the top, you know, you can see on the front page, it says, Ken Shank and ChatGBT, you know. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that people people aren't, from what I can tell, people aren't interested in a book written by ChatGBT right now. Um, that book if if i'd have just said a pastor's brief guide to Biz- business by ken chang it probably would have sold at least one copy as far as i know not one person has has bought the the chat gpt uh version of it so i don't know if i'm getting at some of the things you wanted to to hear from me but um i've i've dabbled a lot with it it's fun i asked it i asked it to uh to to write genesis 1 for a 5 year old um and it was fun you know who knows maybe i'll publish the the ai standard version or something but um nobody would probably buy it
0: no it's that's good i was just kind of curious cuz i i've experimented with chat gpt especially with um like i have a youtube channel too i don't have i mean you're five times bigger than me so you're you're like a giant to me i'd love to have the 10,000 <laughs> thing there but um but but what what i found that it does a pretty good job at is if I take the transcript off of a YouTube video, and I've practiced to really get the prompt, so I can't riff the prop prompt, but I've got it really precise. But I'm basically having it rewrite the transcripts, and I even, and I say something like, "Use this is my video. Use my words." and rewrite this into a coherent essay. And it does a pretty nice job so I can like get some show notes. And I'm thinking, I'm imagining this would help me if I have a lecture that I've kind of, you know, I never, we don't wing stuff. It's more just stand up and deliver the goods that we you have in your, your brain. That's what a PhD lets you do. You can just talk, you push a button and it just comes out for hours, right? And so I'm imagining being able to capture my in-classroom actual persona that would be recorded and then chat GPT can actually create notes that I could never create on my own because I don't write like I talk per se. And so that's got me excited on and this would help students then potentially that can get notes off the videos that the you know, the actual lecture notes. So um, you know, and I've been wondering, can chat GPT take all the notes I have for a class, do the same kind of thing? Can this be organized into some kind of a coherent manuscript? So that's um, and, I, and to me, I don't, at that point, I don't see, I see that more as an editorial assistant or as a, it's not even a ghostwriter it could be my own stuff, but it would, it's a, it's an assistant that gives you an iteration that then you can draft. on. that's, what's kind of gotten me excited right now if it, um, and that's how I've been able to use it so far. I know
1: there are plugins now, uh, I think maybe um, uh, I'm not, I'm not thinking of it uh, offhand, but where you can, where you can upload a whole document into it. ChatGPT, I don't. I don't think you can do a whole document with uh, ChatGPT yet. Maybe I, the I,
0: paid version. They have all those apps that are inside the paid version of it. Yeah, there might be a, there yet. might
1: be a plugin. Yeah, I mean, I use the I use the paid version. Um, um, I'm trying to remember what it is, but anyway, there. Of course, there are a number of options. Um, uh, everybody has a AI now. Uh, like you were saying, we're we're on Zoom. There's an AI companion, you know, here that would take notes on our on our conversation if we wanted it to um so it's just everywhere it's kind of mind blowing to me i mean i i i feel i felt like i wish there were only five ai things that i could you know uh that i could look at and but it's it's just so many different places but um yeah i mean like you can have it you know you can have it generate a quiz you can say here's here's five pages worth of material generate uh 10 question Objective quiz with multiple choice and give me the answers. I mean, it's you can do all kinds of things. You can you can say okay, some summarize this like you said. You know, give me a give me a one paragraph description of this material. Um, Those are all things that it'll do. Yeah.
0: Good, good. I got to watch the clock here for you, because I promised that we'd be finished yeah. up. So let, let me just ask a couple of final questions, uh, and then maybe we can have another conversation at some point. Um, I'm going to go to the hard one that I really asked that I, that I, I love to do this. Again. I'm just curious, out of your long life and you've read so many books, if you were going to just pick the two or three books that have really influenced you the most deeply. And that could be spiritually or professionally. what would, Other than the Bible, of course, um, What what would those books be, Ken?
1: Yeah, man, that's such a hard question. Yeah, it is. I, mean, I kind of have a <laughs> list of go-to books.
0: Yeah, you know. just just give us a few of them, then. And, and, yeah, and yeah.
1: I don't know that they changed my life. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just because of of my area. But um, when you, when I read that, the, the, I think this morning, I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind was N.T. Wright's uh, "Surprised by Hope." But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that, that changed my life. Uh, but um, Joel Green's uh, re- uh, re- Re- recovering the Scandal of the Cross, um, Seized by Truth. Um, the, the, I mean, those were the things that popped into my head. Okay. Uh, we've been, you know, uh, Jonathan Heights, *The Righteous Mind* was pretty stimulating to me. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, I've um, heard of that one. Very basically, talked about uh, us having different moral taste buds. Um, I mean, there's any any number of 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 books. They they pop out whenever I'm writing something, it, and they you know they're they're in my footnotes and and bibliographies um but uh man I but none of those seem as life-changing as what you're what the question would merit so I apologize I'm I'm obviously a hack so
0: <laughs> no it I mean I never know what I'm gonna that's why I asked the questions there's no right answer on these things so obviously if it's gonna be any book it's gonna be the Bible probably for you sure. um yeah but these other I mean Joel Green N.T Wright Jonathan Hyatt that's those are fine people there and uh, I've at least met one of them in person Joel so that's uh that's pretty cool <laughs> Yeah, so
1: um, NT Wright has a new Romans book, but I don't know whether it'll change my life yet.
0: So. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. Um, where where can people find out more about you? Talk about like where campus is, your own personal website, if they want to find out a little bit more about Ken. And also, I'll put links to some of your books um, on, on Amazon here, too. Um, sure.
1: Um, well, campusedu.com, I think, would be our base site. But um, uh, one, you know, there are all kinds of kind of sub sub sites. You know, got a dual enrollment site, campcdu.com backslash or forward slash uh dual dash and enrollment would be cur- a curious. I mean, if you really want to see what we're doing right now, that might be one where you can actually see trailers um with videos and um and and get a little bit of sense of how we're trying to trying to make um education a little bit more like Netflix or or Amazon Prime. Um I have a blog, you know, it's uh, uh, kenshank.blogspot.com. Um, you know, if you do a search on YouTube, uh, you'll probably find me. Um, so yeah, I'm
0: constantly generating stuff. Some of it's good, some of it probably isn't. Um, <laughs> No, well, that, that's, that's what I love. That's what I, I love about you. And I'll have to get you on and talk this more about just productivity. Cause that, that, I mean, I've always, I've been, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but mostly it's been from distance. And I've just always admired how much you're able to produce and also how you've been able to be involved in, 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 in different, interesting, um, we are expert on Hebrews. You've, but then you publish videos on what philosophy, even science. So it's like you have just all these interests and you put it all together and you participate in the leadership and education of the future. So I just, uh, I appreciate you and admire you for uh, following your calling and, you know, ultimately serving God's people in all the different ways that you had. So again, it's great to be your friend and thanks for being my guest today.
1: Thank you. And likewise with you.
0: And thanks, everyone, for listening all the way to the end of this week's episode. Until next time, live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope to others.